0: I must be brain damaged. Seriously. When I get to the New Kingdom, St. Peter's gonna meet me at the gate and he's gonna pat me on the head and he's gonna say, oh, you did the best you could. (laughs) My puny mind shows itself by how often I set things down Not to find them again until after 20 or 30 minutes of frantically searching the place. If I had half the time that I have spent looking for stuff that I had set down that day, I'd have two PhDs. And if I had half the money I've spent on stuff that I misplaced, I would be able to pay for those PhDs. But my memory problems are not limited to where I put my keys. I read the Bible every single day. I do. But I don't remember to trust the God of the Bible every single day. Anybody with me on that? Remembering where your keys are is not as important as remembering who holds the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Though your Father in heaven is concerned about you and your lost keys, when the Lord calls his people to remember, he is calling us to repentance. He's calling us to forget the things that cause us to forget his promises. He's calling us back to life. When God calls us to remember, He's calling us back to the source of life. For example, have you ever thought about Israel? I mean, here's the picture. They had just been freed from 430 years of slavery in Egypt. They had just walked through the Red Sea. They had just drunk water from a rock. And they looked Moses right in the face and they said they wanted to stone him because he led them out into the desert. Is God with us out here? Moses must have just been stunned. What? Lord, not again. Now, I actually think that there is a very clear reason why that story is in Exodus chapter 17. It is because I have a puny mind. And even though I know, I know, I know, I know so much more than they did because I have this book. And I have read it, and I do read it, and I don't remember. Is anybody in the room with me so far? Anybody know what I'm talking about? I know God better than they did because I have the whole Bible to tell me who He is. If only I would remember. If only I could remember... I would rejoice instead of fretting about my lost keys. I would rejoice instead of worrying about having this or not having that or getting this or not getting that. So, God tells us remember. And in the face of unprecedented social and religious disaster, Yahweh spoke through His prophet Jeremiah. And He called His people, Remember. Remember. Remember and rejoice. In the face of exile to Babylon, Yahweh called His people to remember that He remained sovereign no matter what the kings of the earth does do. And all that the bad that is happening and is going to happen is part of His overall plan to bring great good. Jeremiah 29, starting verse 11. Here's the remember part. Here's the remember part. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon Me and come and pray to Me and I will hear you. Verse 13, here's the rejoice part. When you remember and you call upon Me, here's the rejoice part. You will seek Me and find Me when you seek Me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. He keeps saying that because He wants to them to remember that I'm the one saying this, declares the Lord. And I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. Now, if I were to put these verses into two words, I would say remember and rejoice. Remember Rejoice. I think the same could be said for the middle verse in Philippians. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Remember, rejoice. I want to look here tonight where Paul places these words and I want to see what it is that Paul wants us to remember and see, therefore, why you and I can rejoice. So let's begin with the second half of this verse. Philippians chapter 3, verse 1. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble for me and is safe for you. Now, the first obvious question that we come to is what same things does Paul remind the Philippians about? Now, I don't know, but let me give a couple answers. First of all, we can't be dogmatic on this one. In many times, Paul writes something and you have to kind of figure out what is he talking about. Many, many, many cases he uses some grammatical clues that if you go back and you look at those clues, it'll tell you what he was talking about. That's not the case here. But on the other hand, and as we'll find out next time, Paul here points forward to what is coming next. He's going to talk about the good news. And specifically, as he's talking about the good news, he's going to be talking about what distinguishes those who put confidence in the flesh as opposed to those who glory in Christ. And we will see next time how remembering will cause God's people to rejoice. But the question remains, what is it that Paul wants the Philippians to remember? And I'm making some hay out of the fact that this is the middle verse. This is dead center in Philippians. Yes, I know. I told you I was going to be done with my Philippians series the week before Easter. Well... I am a preacher after all, right? What is it that Paul wants us to remember? And I want to go back to the idea. If if we put Philippians into a sentence, I would say that sentence is, Jesus is Lord. Press on in following those who rejoice always. Now, I gave you a slightly different sentence several weeks ago, but this reflects what we're talking about tonight. And there is more to it. They're the five themes that we've been going through each time. But Philippians, if you get right down to it, is a quick action reminder. Paul hits the Philippians over and over, describing people who show us what it's like to trust Jesus throughout all of life's circumstances. Paul, in effect, is saying, remember their testimony. Remember their life. And rejoice. We saw last time that Paul used Timothy and Epaphroditus as examples of men who live trusting in the fact that Jesus is Lord. And then we saw weeks ago that Jesus himself is an example of one whom we are to follow. And in each chapter, all four chapters of Philippians, we see that Paul uses himself as an example. He even uses the Philippians in several cases as examples to follow, to press on in following those who in every situation Are able to rejoice because they know Jesus is Lord. Put it slightly differently Jesus is worth it. No matter what it is, Jesus is worth it. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Life is frustrating, our circumstances are never what we would wish. Why, God? Why is this happening? Why is that not happening? And even for us who know Jesus and love Jesus and are reminded that life could be much worse. Even for us, we don't see the whole picture and so we forget and we cry out when instead we should remember and rejoice what we see in Philippians are human beings just like you and me who suffer and face opposition for their testimony about Jesus they get sick and they're frustrated because things don't work out and they rejoice because they remember Jesus is Lord So Paul provides examples of those who have trusted the Lordship of Jesus. And Philippians is a letter that emphasizes the reality of the loving control that Jesus exercises so that we will not lose hope. Oh my friends, don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. Your Savior is Lord. Part of my duty is to give you hope in face of the struggle and opposition in your life. Part of my duty is to give you hope as you live your calling wherever that calling may be. And Paul wrote Philippians so that I would have an easy reference to give you that hope. Paul wrote Philippians so that you would see what it looks like to follow Jesus. So go and do likewise. Trust in your Lord. Remember and rejoice. But this, of course, brings us to the next question we need to ask as we come to verse 1. What does Paul mean by no trouble to me and save for you? Back to my puny mind. I forget. Ask my wife. I assume you forget too. But not just do I forget my keys and my wallet. I forget that my struggles are for my good and for His glory. I forget that when I lose my wallet and I lose my keys, it is so that I will remember Jesus is Lord even over lost wallets and keys. Paul reminds us that Jesus is Lord and He's got this, whatever this is. Jesus not only knows what is happening, but He is also Emmanuel. He is with you when it is happening. And you're going to be just fine. How do I know this? Paul? This is one of Paul's themes. 2 Corinthians 4.17 For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Now he's talking in this passage about more than lost keys. But not less. And then of course there's Romans 8.28 And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. My friends, remember, You are not alone. You are not a mistake. Your misfortunes are not the end of the story. God is faithful. God is powerful. You are not alone. You are safe. You are loved. You are His. And as he says in this very letter, as Paul puts this idea, he says in Philippians 3.20-4.1, Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body and minds, praise Jesus, to be like His glorious body by what? What is going to accomplish this? His power that enables him to subject even all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm. Stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Remember. Rejoice. Remember. Remember. Rejoice. Jesus is Lord. Stand firm. Rejoice. Momentary light afflictions. Eternal weight of glory. All things for your good. His glory and the growth of His kingdom. God is faithful. God is powerful. God is willing. You are safe you are loved and this is only half the message this is only half the message the other half the message is press on remember these promises as you go about your day so that you may stand firm Strive, labor in the fields of your king. Rejoice as you go about your struggles and you face oppositions. Rejoice as your dreams are not coming true. Rejoice as you go about your daily life, even when it hurts. Rejoice. Which brings us to the command, the first part of Philippians 3.1. Finally, my brothers, he's talking to everyone who is a part of God's family. Rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Now I want you to notice something. I want you to look at this suggestion that Paul gives. I want you to give this thought that Paul is throwing out there just so you can give your opinion about it. Is that what Paul's doing here? Or is Paul giving you a command? Rejoice. Paul loves this command. You find this command throughout his writings. I'm just going to give you a couple examples. 1 Thessalonians 5.16-18 Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in all circumstances give thanks, for this is what? It is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What does God want for your life? That you would rejoice always. Are you suffering? Rejoice. Do you face opposition? Rejoice. Are you sick? Rejoice. Don't have the stuff you want? Rejoice. Don't have the circumstances you want? Rejoice. Don't have the relationships you want? Rejoice. 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 This is a command. Note, in all of these commands, Paul doesn't really care about how you're feeling at the moment. When he was getting beat with rods, did he feel great? I don't think so. So, That leaves me the idea that perhaps rejoicing isn't about feelings. Perhaps rejoicing is a choice. Allow me to show you that this, in fact, is the case. Let's go back to Philippians, and let's see where else Paul gives us this command. I find it in Philippians 2.18. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me now if you'll remember a couple of weeks ago when we were at this passage the main command in this paragraph was verse 14 do all things without grumbling or disputing and he talked a little bit about that and we get to verse 17 where he describes his circumstances even if i am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. You remember the big idea that week was rejoice. I rejoice, therefore you rejoice. But I wonder, who likes to be poured out as a drink offering? Who likes to be a part of the sacrificial offering of your faith? Who wants to suffer? Well, not many. Many. But evidently, Paul rejoiced even while he was suffering. Paul rejoiced while he was being poured out as a drink offering and he wanted the Philippians to rejoice as well. And remember the reason... The circumstance that led to this letter was the fact that the Philippians were joining in Paul's suffering by giving up to him of their meager resources. Their suffering was a choice and they rejoiced to do it. And Paul wants them to be sure that their choice both to rejoice and to suffer was the right one. Now speaking of my puny mind, this verse helps me understand and comment on a minor controversy in the evangelical church, at least in my lifetime. It's been said, as long as I've been a Christian, that there's a difference between being happy and rejoicing. Anybody that familiar? Does that strike a a chord with anybody? Well, I'm going to go out on the limb, and I'm going to agree with John Piper. I don't see an essential difference between being happy and rejoicing. We are commanded to rejoice and the way we go about rejoicing is by being happy. Now, there is a reason for this controversy. There is a reason for this question. And that reason is there is a distinction that needs to be made. The distinction is not between being happy and rejoicing. The distinction is in what makes a believer happy or rejoice and what makes an unbeliever happy or rejoice. The... The distinction is not between being happy and joy. The distinction is in what makes a believer happy or rejoice and what makes an unbeliever. And we see this difference in Psalm 4, verses 7 and 8. The psalmist there says, You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. In peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Yahweh, make me dwell in safety. Now, the point that the psalmist is making in these verses is not that I have joy and you have happiness. The point he makes here is that the unbeliever can be happy and rejoice when he has a good crop. But I can sleep well because my safety, my happiness and joy is not dependent upon a whole lot of vines or grain. I can sleep at night instead knowing that God has got my back. There we go. Back to Paul's point. Jesus is Lord. Remember. Jesus is Lord. Rejoice. And Christians, my friends, we have lost a lot of sleep because we get all twisted thinking non-believers can't really enjoy themselves. That's Folly. We have lost a lot of sleep because we think we need to be stoic about a whole lot of things. That's ridiculous. I like laughing at my brother Chet. I see him up there sometimes singing without sandals. I rejoice in that. I love that. Why? Because number one, he's remembering Exodus chapter three. But number two, I rejoice because he, like me, doesn't always want to wear footwear. Now, I I do like my boots, I have to admit, but I like being barefoot as well. Rejoice. Have a good time. Kick off your sandals. Because you know that tough times won't last. Because. You know, however tough times are now, they're going to get better. Why? Jesus is Lord. Remember, Jesus is Lord. Rejoice. That's not all. We see Paul give this command one more time in Philippians. It's in Philippians four four where. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice, just in case you missed it. But the context here is different. The context is slightly changed. Here, Paul is commanding two sisters in a church to stop fighting. Yodia and Syntyche stop fighting and rejoice in each other. Had these two women been rejoicing in what God was doing, they wouldn't have been fighting. Had we been doing the same, our focus would be on what God is doing and we would be rejoicing. But I have a theory. I have a theory. I think it's not even that they were looking at each other. I think it's they were navel-gazing. Because you get so focused on yourself. You get so focused on on what you're doing, that you forget to look up and see Jesus is Lord. Remember. Jesus is Lord. Rejoice. Rejoice. In each of these verses, rejoice is a command. That means it is something you must do. That means it is something you can By the grace of God, do. That means you must choose to do it. That means that circumstances do not dictate whether you rejoice or not. You rejoice because God works in you both to will and to work according to His good pleasure. Remember. Rejoice. Back to my puny mind. Or actually, I think in this case, my puny heart. The times when my heart gets bent out of shape are the times that my mind is engaged in things that don't really matter. Stuff. The times my heart gets bent out of shape are the times that my mind refuses to remember the Lord of circumstance loves me. The time my heart gets bent out of shape are the times that my mind refuses to be thankful for the relationships that I have. My heart values stuff, circumstances, or relationships that are far beyond my puny efforts to control, and I need to remember Jesus Christ is Lord, and I need to press on in following those who rejoice always. What I need more than stuff, circumstances, and relationships the way I want them is to remember. Remember, God is in control. Jesus is Lord. Remember, God is good. Jesus loves us. Remember, God loves your near ones too. That might be a revelation, by the way. God doesn't just love you. He loves those who live near you. Remember, God gave you as a gift to your near ones to show them what His love looks like. Remember, God knows and actively pursues what is ultimately good, not necessarily what feels good now. Remember that this life is not about me. This world is about God and His glory. My heart, my mind are so puny that they never cease needing to be reminded of this simple fact. Jesus is Lord. Remember and rejoice. One last verse. Going back to Isaiah. The Lord tells through the prophet, Remember these things, O Jacob, and Israel, for you are my servant. I formed you. You are my servant. O Israel, you will not be forgotten by me. We are commanded to remember God will not forget us. We are commanded to remember that we are His people. We are commanded to remember that we are His servants. In fact, He says that twice. We are commanded to remember that we are forgiven. Where do I see that? Verse 22. I have blotted out your transgressions like a cloud and your sins like a mist. Return to Me. Remember Me. For I have redeemed you. We are commanded to remember to return to Him. Therefore, we are commanded to rejoice. Remember. Rejoice. Now, because I know it's going to happen in the very near future, I put my keys down where they don't belong. And then I walk away and I forget that they're there. The next time you lose your keys... Use it as an opportunity to remember and rejoice. Use your lost keys as an opportunity to remember that Jesus is Lord and that you have nothing to worry about. Use your lost keys to remember that God uses your daily struggles of life so that you will praise Him because He is Lord. And therefore, you will rejoice. Lord Jesus, we come to you again because we need to remember Enable us to remember. Enable us to remember that you are Lord and help us through all our struggles, through all the tears, through all the pain, through all the uncertain diagnoses, through all the fears that still remain as we are in this mortal flesh. Help us to remember that you are with us and rejoice. Bless us so that we will be a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen.